The podcast is supported by Premier Knitting Club, a registered New Zealand charity and virtual tribe of knitters providing knitted items and fundraising for neonatal intensive care units in New Zealand. I'm Courtney, I was a Premier myself and I run Premier Knitting Club. When we donate knitting to the NICU, families are given knits for them and their baby to treasure forever and keep. And we always need knitters to help us. If you have family members or friends who are knitters and want to help, you can find Premier Knitting Club New Zealand on Instagram or Facebook. We've also included the website in the show notes. We love that NICU Mum podcast and are proud to support it. Hey everyone, welcome to That Niku Mum, a podcast where we share the stories of New Zealand parents who have had a baby in a neonatal unit across the country. My name's Shan, I'm your host. I am an ex Niku Mum of three boys, two of which are in the Niku, my 32 week twins, Bo and Luca, and I also have a full term singleton, Angus, um, who I had after the twins. So I've experienced both sides, and yeah, um, really just wanted to create a platform for NICU parents to share their story in a safe space so um yep that's me so today we are speaking to Sarah um Sarah's baby girl Ruby was born at 35 weeks um but while she was pregnant she was diagnosed with a heart condition so they kind of knew what they were going to be in for um prior to her birth however she was born prematurely not by choice, if you get what I mean. Uh, they had an elective C-section book for 38 weeks and she arrived at 35 weeks. So yeah, expected, unexpected, kind of a mix, mixed journey for them. But yeah, I will let Sarah tell you all about their journey. So enjoy. All right. Do you want to introduce yourself and your, your family and your baby or your daughter, I should say, not your baby? Yeah, sure um she's nearly two in two months um ruby is my baby girl and um, my partner is rupert and yeah we live in wellington and lower hut yeah i'm sarah (laughs) i'm 31 (laughs) um forgot about myself sorry um yeah i guess that's that's us oh so Ruby was born early, but she also was diagnosed in utero with a heart defect, correct? Yes. Do you want to talk about um, your pregnancy up until the point where she was diagnosed and how that kind of, how it went in comparison to when your world obviously got turned on its head? Yeah. Um, That uh, pregnancy was absolutely horrific. Um, (laughs) I couldn't find a midwife. I was, I had HG, so I was extremely. Oh, sick. Um, I had that with the twins too. Yeah, it was. It was. I thought I was going to die, uh, uh, quite literally, and mm. I thought I was in a black hole. Um, mm. And I didn't know anyone who else else who had been through it, and I didn't even know that I had it. Mm. Um, and my friend was like, "You just need to like." get up and carry on with your day and I was like but it's literally physically impossible she also tell you to have some like ginger nuts yeah but no one knew I had HG back then and right. so she was like no like maybe it's just it'll pass in a few weeks you know yeah yeah and um it didn't and I, yeah. there was no midwives because Ruby was due in January and obviously that's like the worst time yeah. to try yeah so everyone was going on like Christmas blue, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and there's a shortage, obviously. Mm. So yeah, couldn't find a wife. 
and then tried to get a um like a community one through the hospital and they were doing like a whole restructure of who's in the lead and there was a new boss and new manager and stuff and so it was just really messy and they didn't get back to me fast mm. enough so we're like screw this I'm so sick we're just going to go private so we went and got a obstetrician yeah um and thank god I did because yeah stuff just got worse and worse um yeah so yeah after being super sick um we were it was also COVID lockdown so we were doing our um antenatal class online from home mm. um and that's quite hard to do because it's quite boring <laughs> and, um I guess I guess we just weren't like very like amping about you know anything because I was so sick and we just yeah. didn't, didn't know how to really cope with all of that yeah and I just hired a PA I had to let her go because I couldn't teach her how to do her job or my job I couldn't do anything um yeah. anyway after we got a midwife um I started to feel a little bit better she prescribed me on Dancetron and um I'd been in in and out of hospital two times for some IV fluids and stuff and yeah. um we were like okay I think things are looking up and then I had to go to my 20 week scan alone because of lockdown um oh, no. yeah <laughs> And then um, the sonographer, he, I'm so lucky that he was such an amazing sonographer because it mm. could have been missed. And um, I have talked to other mums who, where um, like heart defects have been missed in um, scans. And yeah, our, my sonographer was like, uh, we were chatting away. I thought nothing was wrong. Um, he mm. kind of went silent for a bit and then said, oh, look, there's something wrong with your baby's heart and um I was like oh you know like it surely it's not anything major like yeah I don't know just she'll be sweet when she comes out yeah yeah um, and he was like no, no no I I can't uh I can't diagnose it or tell you anything else I need to get your midwife uh your obstetrician to tell you everything mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna go call her and talk talk to her right now and I was like oh my god that must have been freaking terrifying um and I think I was just in denial for a little bit and then I just started having like a massive panic attack (laughs) and um being like no no no, like you're joking like this is not Mm. this is not no 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 no. this you're wrong like yeah you're this is not okay yeah um and yeah I called my partner Rupert on speaker and the sonographer like briefly explained what he could see in the scan um and then my obstetrician she was so amazing um she lived in the area and drove straight to the place that I had my scan um just to see it in person so she could like give me a diagnosis or tell me what was happening as soon right as then possible. and there yeah yeah um I drove home um and me and my partner kind of just like wallowed around home in shock and denial and we're just like googling mm. CHPs and all of that kind of stuff and um and then what felt like two days my obstetrician called me back 
at like five o'clock that same day and talked us through everything and said, look, it is highly likely that she has um, Tetralogy Fellow, um, just which is abbreviated to TOF. And mm-hmm. um and yeah, we had no idea what what was yeah, just full shock. Yeah. Uh, we we had no idea about CHDs. Um no experience whatsoever mm. and I was mm. a nurse I thought I would kind of know like a few yeah things or it could happen but yeah just blindsided and wasn't aware of these kinds of things that could go wrong in pregnancy or two mm. babies mm. um so yeah it was a pretty long road ahead of us um I suffered from pretty bad depression um, after that and anxiety. Um, went back on my anti-depression meds. It was pretty much the only way I could survive through pregnancy. Mm. Um, and then we were, we just had lots and lots and lots of scans, like hour-long scans of her heart um, frequently after that. Um, we went into MFM and Wellington Hospital lots. Um, and then we we got put in connection with a um, clinical nurse at Starship, and mm-hmm. she was really lovely and kind of just got us prepped onto what to expect while we're up there in terms of, like, what the wards are like, what we need to bring, what right. Donald has um so you got to like see the units kind of in preparation well we couldn't see I couldn't even see the NICU Wellington unit because it was uh lockdown so no one could go so I didn't know what to expect really but uh I didn't see anything I just was like told what to expect kind of right yeah I kind of thought I'd be staying in like a dorm room yeah (laughs) like a wooden old school dorm room in Auckland but it was nothing like that so that didn't really hurt me very much um we were also unsure of where I was going to be able to give birth um because they weren't sure if they were going to have to operate on Ruby straight away or not when she was born um so up until 32 weeks I didn't know if I was going to give birth in Wellington or Auckland um Mm -hmm yeah I just could couldn't plan anything really was this the, like uh, the first baby in your family um it was my mum's first grandchild not my partner's right so that would one. have been hard as well for your mum like thinking she yeah. could potentially be giving well you could potentially be giving birth to her first grandbaby like eight hours away but also my mum lived in Tauranga at the time oh, so she was planning on moving down yeah um when I had my C-section booked because we were like okay let's I I really wanted to do elective C-section because I was like look everything else has gone wrong in this pregnancy I just want one yeah. thing to go right yeah and I was still so sick that I wanted to not be in pain as well yeah <laughs> so yeah um but unfortunately that didn't go to plan either Amazing. um yeah so my mum was still up in Tauranga so I didn't have her um just had my partner and my partner's family here um Yeah, so we started having like conference calls with the surgeons and stuff in Wellington Hospital, but the surgeons in Starship. um, Yeah. That's where we had the conference calls. Yeah. Um, 
lots and lots of scans and then we were like okay cool she's her valve was like big enough for them by like millimeter a millimeter or something for them to feel comfortable me birthing in Wellington so I booked in right. a c-section for the 12th of January um and we were like cool we don't even need to worry about like me going into labor or yeah yeah or- yeah don't even think about it it'll be fine like let's just be ready for you know 30 I think I was supposed to be 38 weeks then yeah and then in my 35th week um I went to the toilet at like I don't know 3 a.m and I was like wow I feel like I'm just weighing myself like <laughs> this is super weird I haven't had this before yeah and then I started having like period pains and I was like oh is this Braxton Hicks because I had already had quite a lot of that yeah um this is is not okay and then I I only had one friend awake at 3am and she (laughs) had had no children so um, I was texting her asking what I should do I don't know why um she was googling away for me and she was like I think you need to call your um midwife or maybe it's just like that pre pre pre-labor stuff yeah okay I'm gonna call her and um called her like 45 minutes after so I was like oh this, this is very uncomfortable mm. um, and she heard me having contractions on the phone yeah she was like no you actually need to go to hospital now and I was like oh shit can I wash my hair I haven't washed it in two weeks I've been sick she was like no we can sort it out later and I was like okay so I woke up my because I made him sleep in a different room because I, I couldn't even sleep most of the time yeah um so I woke him up and I was like, Rupe, we need to drive to the hospital. And he's like, what? Are we having a baby now? And I was like, I think so. And he's like, oh my God, can I shower? And I was like, yeah. I, I think why so. is that such like, my husband did that with our singleton, like our full term singleton. And I was like, Tim, you're not going to believe this. My waters have just broke. And he's like, oh, I better go have a shower. <laughs> yeah, like to prepare himself. Yeah. Like a birth, obviously. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, Rupe had a shower. I was like crawling on my hands and knees, packing the rest of my hospital hospital bag because I hadn't done that. Because I was like, "Sweet, I'm gonna go have a C-section." Like, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, this was. We drove to the hospital at four a.m. After, I thought I weed myself at three a.m., which was when my waters broke. And um, did you on the way to the hospital? Did you kind of like? Because I know with my twins, when my waters broke, I was like on the way, I was I don't know what's going to be worse if I get there and either I'm in labor or they're going to tell me I've just pissed myself. <laughs> I was like, which, well, which is the worst there. scenario here? I mean, no, I would have rather someone told me I've pissed myself for sure. Because I, we got in the car and I, I, at that stage, I was literally crawling out the door. I was yeah. so my contractions were happening so fast already yeah. um and by seven ten ruby was born so wow like yeah just not even four hours of labor yeah. um, and I was I got to the hospital and the guy at the security thing because it was after hours was like oh yeah the maternity ward's just down there and I was like yes I was like swearing I was like I can't walk like are you joking like give me a wheelchair what the hell I could barely speak in between the contractions yeah and I didn't even know what a contraction was yeah yeah it was mental pa- my partner r- rushed off and got me a um a wheelchair and 
I think I was like four or five centimeters by that stage oh my god real quick then yeah very quick and I as soon as we got into my little room thing um I was like okay I need my epidural like I need you guys are doing the c-section right and they were Mm. like um yep the anesthetist is just in surgery at the moment she'll be out and like really really soon I don't worry she'll come and do it for you Mm. Um, I couldn't like catch my breath or rest in between contractions because they were so so like short in between Um, yeah there's no breaks and they gave me some gas and I couldn't it didn't do anything because I was so far yeah Um, and then the anesthetist finally came and I swear I couldn't see straight or like couldn't breathe because they were like no you can't have anything to drink either yeah yeah um and they're like just in case you still need a c-section and I was like what do you mean in case they still need one I have to have one and they were like no you're too far gone now like you're too far you're just gonna have to start pushing soon and I was oh my god like you are not prepared for this at all you've skipped skipped over the pushing in the manual because you're going to a c-section we literally pressed fast forward like we'll worry about that another time yeah um yeah they were like Sarah you need to start pushing and I was like what and I had like two midwives holding down one leg on each side and my partner like obviously I was breaking his hand and um yeah it was wild and sounds it pushed my child out um and I think they I don't I can't I can't even remember what happened but they had to put that little thing on her head yeah to read heart right yeah yeah um and then they also needed like a von Toast to guide her a little bit at the end of it and um I remember just like pushing her head out and I was like oh my god thank god that's done and they were like now you need to push out the body and I was like yes. no nah, I'm done <laughs> pull it grab her out and get her out <laughs> um anyway I don't know how that happened there, but I did it it was, it was yeah amazing um I got to hold her oh my my partner got to cut the umbilical cord which was yeah. so special we didn't think we'd be able to do anything normal yeah yeah and I got to hold her for a couple of seconds and then they um the nurse went over and checked checked her again and then I even got to hold her again for like maybe a minute or so yeah. um she got taken to NICU um and then yeah that was crazy I was just like and adrenaline and shock and yeah I will just happen and then the midwife rushed over to me and she was like um I need I need some colostrum for Ruby um can I can I just start squeezing well I don't even know what she said <laughs> I was like you do whatever you do um and stoked we got some colostrum it was amazing um yeah because I was 35 weeks I was like I didn't have any of that or mm. know how to express or anything. Um, yeah. So, yeah, um, I got up and had a shower and stuff. Rupert went with Ruby to NICU, which was nice. Um, and I was just left in this room alone, like, what the hell just happened? Having... Did they bring you, like, a little little um, plate of something to eat and a Milo? No. 
no <laughs> when I gave birth so um Jordan my husband went with the twins and they like brought me in this like little tray and it had like a sandwich and a Milo it's like a little reward <laughs> yeah I remember I remember watching a lot of mums Instagram story about the the classic hospital mug with the Milo and I'm like yeah. where was mine um <laughs> To be fair, but, I didn't have that after Angus, just after the twins. Rude. Yeah. Maybe it was because... They the, demand yeah, money. You don't need it. <laughs> um, yeah, I just remember, like, standing in the shower being like, holy shit, I just gave birth. And, like, there was just, like, so much blood and stuff coming out of me. It was, mm. like, crazy. I just, I just was so underprepared. I had no mm. preparation. Because throughout our whole pregnancy, it was all about just the scans and making sure Ruby was growing and all that kind of stuff. So I mm. had like no normal midwife appointments. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. And it would have been all about her as well, right? Like about making yeah, sure was. that she was all right rather than preparing you for birth. Yeah. I was extremely underprepared. Um, they did bring me some toast and I think maybe an ice block after that. Oh, um, what a treat and then <laughs> I remember calling my mum and was like mum I just gave birth and she was like what <laughs> for like 35 weeks and I was like yeah I just gave birth it just all happened and she was like where are you and I was like in the hospital like where else would I be and she's like well, maybe home. I don't know. <laughs> um yeah so we shocked everyone by just Ruby just rushing into the world yeah and yeah, Rupert went to NICU with her. Um, he was able to give Ruby some colostrum, which was super special. Um, and then he came back and I got wheeled to NICU to be with her. But yeah, everything was like really blurry and um, still like in major shock. And I remember one of the NICU nurses looking at my feet and she was like, your feet are turning blue. Can you just quickly see Ruby? And then can you just can you go lie down yeah um like are you okay you are you gonna pass out and I was like I don't know like I don't even remember the I remember going back the next day or then or that night and and being like I don't actually remember the face of the person who was talking to me about that yeah Um, but yeah then Ruby had uh she was on CPAP um she also had jaundice um and then I guess that's where they started. She was actually a like pretty reasonable re- weight. She was um, two and a half kgs. So, oh yeah, um, yeah. She wasn't too bad. Um, yeah. yeah. So she had she had some kind of like antibiotic or something. She had that K injection. Mm. I was like, just do everything you need to do. And just, mm. Yeah. Um. She came off CPAP quite quickly. Um, she had her jaundice went up and down lots. Um, so we were in Wellington, Nakau. So Ruby was born on the twenty first of December, and she my C section was booked for the twelfth of January. Yeah. Um, so she was quite a bit. Well, not too early, but a few weeks early. Um, yeah. And then we were in Wellington, Nikko for 10 days because we lived in, uh, because we lived in the region, they couldn't put me in the Nikko ward with her. Mm, that's um, frustrating. Yeah. But 
then I also just feel like really bad for the other people who are like way further away mm. so I was like I understand but I think the worst thing was that when I went back to the maternity ward I was in a shared room and it was fine because I was alone for like a one day and but then the second day this mum got wheeled in and she'd just given birth and her baby was with her mm. and like I was listening to one of your other po- uh, one of your other podcasts about how another mum like heard another mum next to her with her baby I was just like are you joking like mm. you can't put a, a mum who's just had a prem baby with a yeah. heart condition in a joint room with another mum with her baby who's already had babies and her baby's crying I was like that that was a hundred percent the worst thing that Wellington Hospital it's so it's so heartbreaking eh? and like you know it's not their fault they're just putting like it's not the mum's fault but like you're just come on man like read the room nurses yeah come on be in the hallway alone rather than that that was so heartbreaking um so I I remember getting my obstetrician to come just check me out and they actually thought I had like a a clot somewhere I don't know so we had to wait for that to kind of like go down but I was like I'm leaving like I have to leave tonight like I'm not I can't stay here I I was exactly the same um ours was so the twins were born on the 22nd of March and lockdown was announced on the 23rd of March so Jordan, my husband, was allowed to stay with me. We were in a single room that first night and then lunchtime the next day they announced lockdown and he wasn't even allowed back on the ward. And I said, I said to them, I was like, I'm not staying here without my husband and without my babies. I was like, you have to discharge me. And they're like, oh, we just need to make sure you don't have an infection. I was like, I'm, I'm going home. I'm going to be downstairs. If something happens, I'll talk to the nurses. But I was like, I am not staying here by myself. Absolutely not. It's... I don't actually know how people think that mums can do that. That's it's mm. so cruel. But even if you don't have a, a baby in NICU, even to just leave a new mum alone in a room without their partner there is awful. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's so hard. Yeah. It's it's unfair to to think that it like like why is that even an option? I know. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Surely you would think they would have like award dedicated because there's obviously so many parents yeah. giving birth and having babies in NICU every single day you would think they would have another ward where they don't have to be around babies yeah. you know yeah even if it's really small like mm. I don't even care if we're all together no no we're all in this together <laughs> but yeah so um so I left, I think it was, I think I'd been in there for two days and I just left. Um, mm. And luckily we were able to afford um, the hotel across the road from the hospital because we lived in Lower Hutt. So it's not too far of a drive, but 20 minutes each way. It's, and then yeah. a trip, two hours each way um, just to go in. And I want, like, I, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I didn't know if I was supposed to be there for every feed. I thought yeah. I was. And then I got to the point where I was so burnt out that the nurses were like, no, like you need to go home and sleep. Like, yeah, but it's, it was quite- they, they never say that to you. Like they, they expect you to be there all the time. And then they're like surprised oh, when, when you're over it. And then they're like, oh, well, you shouldn't be here all the time. Mine were literally like, go back to your ward and go to sleep. <laughs> 
they were so amazing and I was like like who's gonna feed my baby and they were like we will and mm. I was like what and my milk <laughs> didn't come in for three days either so I didn't have any any milk so mm. yeah I, she was just straight on formula and yeah. I was also listening to um your podcast today about how the other mum they didn't they just didn't feed the baby mm. because they were like no you have to breastfeed mm. wild eh? I know yes. yeah like I, I've said before and so after the twins were born I like went in to meet them and I literally they handed me this like permission slip and it said like do you consent to your baby having a dummy? Do you consent to your baby having a bottle? Do you consent to your baby having donor milk and formula? And I was just like, tick, yes, like everything, whatever, I don't care. And it's just wild to me that that's not offered to everyone. I know. Like I that's always say, what so if you weird. didn't want to what if you didn't want to breastfeed? Yeah. That's a valid choice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's absolutely cooked. I, I couldn't believe that that mum said that. I, I was so heartbroken for her. Hmm. Um, yeah. But um, honestly, Nicku Wellington was 10 out of 10. I would have rather stayed there than have been demoted to um, Skaboo and Lower Heart. It was, that was a whole new world as well. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so we went from, we had lots of um, meetings with, uh, the doctors who were chatting to the starship team um, mm. in Auckland about Ruby's heart and we had a few echoes done. Um, she was doing really well um, in terms of she got off CPAP um, and she got far enough away from jaundice that they were happy to take her out of the blue blue light. Yeah. Um, but I remember when she was born, we were like, oh my God, she's so tanned. How cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then they were like, no, your baby's got jaundice. And I was like, oh, okay, don't worry. <laughs> um, she's very not tanned now. <laughs> she's pale. Well, yeah. A classic, classic jaundice baby thing. You're like, oh, yeah. they've inherited the dark skin. Oh, no, wait. That's, uh, that's not it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so we made it to the end of our NICU stay. And we had this amazing nurse, Black. Uh, last couple of days sorry I know mm. I've been talking for a while that's right um, um she was she felt like no one none of the other nurses or no one had given us a chance to breastfeed properly because we were still tube feeding Ruby um and she felt like no one was letting Ruby get hungry enough to want to breastfeed um yeah. which was like a new profound way of thinking that I no one had even like offered that idea to me um yeah so she let's just let ruby like see if see if she gets hungry and then we'll try breastfeeding and from then on we could breastfeed yeah we got to um take the tube out after like three days it was so amazing it's bizarre um, to me that they you know that they forced the like three hourly because obviously i know with angus my singleton i just fed him when he was hungry yeah like why are you pushing them three hourly if they want to wake up earlier they'll wake up early. like they'll they'll wake yeah, up if they're the, hungry it was on the clock three hourly um yeah. you know like it was routine so routine everything we did there was so routine and it was it was it's a hor- it's a horrible thing to experience especially if you're firstborn um anything routine wise you have to count how many mils 
you produce, count how many mils they've consumed, um, time the feeds, time their sleep, time their wake times, like everything because they were scared that Ruby was going to be too sleepy to wake up and all that kind of stuff because of her heart. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, so they were... Yeah, so yeah, we were very much on routine-based stuff and it was very draining. I thought that's kind of like, I didn't know there was a different way of newborn life. Yeah. Um, and and then when we when we got home eventually, I was like so stuck in this three-hourly routine. It yes. was so bad and like so hard to mentally come out of. Um, yeah. But yeah, we went from NICU after... How many days were there? We were only there for 10 days, which felt like four weeks. And then um, we were in Lower Hutskabur and we managed to only be there for three days because I hated right. it so much. Yeah, I've um, heard, um, I've had quite a few people that have gone from Niku to Skabu to Lower Hutskabu and they were the same, did not, did not recommend. Yeah, I I would have rather stayed in Niku. Yeah, it was it was horrible um and it, it was closer to home even and it was still yeah so um I remember just going there and her being like in this empty tiny corridor style room with like mm. screaming babies she wasn't even on um on heart and oxygen monitors anymore so I was like I literally don't know why she's here mm. um and they just wanted to monitor her for a couple more days um just to make sure she was fine to go home um so we were transferred in the ambulance and then um just sat there and cried for like probably three hours because I was too scared to leave her alone in there because I felt so uncomfortable with the place yeah and um, I remember one of the doctors came and spoke to me and luckily I had met him before when I was working in real estate and I appraised his house and I knew he was a dad and um, that made me feel a lot better because I had met him before and I know he's a dad so I I was like would you leave your kids here and he's like yeah "Yeah, of course and so yeah that made me feel a little bit better and I left her there overnight and then the next day I pretty much said if you're not going to let me stay here with her then she needs to come home I she's not staying here any longer alone yeah um so he moved us into a room and I got to sleep in the same room with her I also got to do that in Nippu at the very end um right that, but yeah um I think I think I stayed in Nippu for maybe three nights or two nights with Ruby um just down the hall from me which was way better mm. um yeah, so I spent New Year's Eve in Skabu with Ruby. We had a little party. So you had and Christmas in Niku and New Year's Eve in Skabu. What a, what a time. <laughs> it was a hell of a year, yeah. Uh, we had uh, Uber Eats sushi for, for Christmas lunch. <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, so after uh new year's eve i was like we need to leave today um no one like me and ruby literally can't sleep in here because someone left their baby with a shusha machine the whole night in skaboo yes 
and it was loud, not in a private room or anything. And the yeah, in the whole for the whole the babies. And I was like, my, no one wants to listen to that. So no. yeah, I felt really uncomfortable. That's with that. that's but, a really that's really strange. I've never heard of anyone using like a white noise machine in, in a unit before. But like, is the unit yeah. enough? Not enough. I probably would have been okay with a white noise, but the shusha is not oh. a white noise. If you've mm-hmm. ever experienced that, a bit scarring. Um, yeah. yeah, so we got set up with this lovely Skaboo nurse, and she was going to be our home nurse. Um, mm-hmm. We were, she would come to our house um, twice a week, and then we would also have my midwife come uh, once a week. Uh, and then we would also bring Ruby into the children's ward for some kind of checkup or something. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we were at home for uh, 17 days before going back into hospital. Um, and then we got put into the lower heart children's ward, which was the worst 10 days of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um that was hands down the worst, worst place I've been, like hell on earth. Um, and not even just in terms of like funding and resources, it was just like such a scarring place. Like yeah. Um at Starship, there's like um all the monitors get heard in the nurse's office. So the parents aren't constantly like, oh shit, shit, shit. Like my Set my child's saturation levels are going down, whatever. Um, but in this ward, there are they don't have the funding for that. So it's the monitors are all in your room, and you have to leave your door ajar so that the nurses can hear it beeping. And Ruby's went off all the time, and because they're not used to heart kids in there because it's such a small ward, um, no one was really experienced enough or Mm. experienced in that field anyway to um deal with it properly I would say um or monitor her properly or give her exactly the best treatment that she needed yeah um so my mum being a nurse and me being a bit um you know just like a (laughs) mum like standing up for what your child needs yeah. um I just took over and I offer I took control of her oxygen for most of the time so every time her saturation levels would drop I would um kind of like do her oxygen myself after the nurse yeah. said like and stuff because sometimes I would just like drop and no one would rush in until I yeah. pressed the button and it's just like there's no urgency in that ward um like no cardiac kid should be on that ward there's no there's not enough urgency at all yeah um anyway that was the shittest 10 days ever and then um she wasn't improving so um I was like look we need to be in Starship and if you guys aren't going to do that I'm just we're just going to leave and go so was this was this visit not planned like did she get unwell yeah um they thought she had RSV or COVID or something but or every single test was negative so yeah. well, I don't and know then obviously with her heart condition it makes everything kind yeah. of 10 times worse right 
Yeah, because she was um, turning, she was starting to have blue spells then yeah. and her oxygen levels were going so low. They were like, But even if she wasn't a heart kid, you would feel like she's a newborn baby. Yeah. She would have been, what, a month old if that? Yeah, so that like was... Where is, where's the urgency for a newborn baby that's having oxygen issues, regardless of her heart condition? I know, there should have been like... It sh- she should have actually been in a room with a nurse in there. Yeah. At all. yeah. Like, there is a, um, I can't remember what the ward's called. Oh, it's called an IOA in Starship. But anyway, they should, they need one of those wards for, mm. yeah. Anyway, um, so we were in Loha, um Children's Ward for 10 days. And then we were, put in a private jet to starship we got to starship that's a bit bougie yeah the starship plane was getting fixed or something so (laughs) it was like a i think it was life flight or something some other did you play play that um that fergie song (laughs) she's like (laughs) no but we could have she she did have her really own cute little yellow earmuffs um, in her um incubator it was quite cute but um as soon as the starship nurses got there um like everything changed like everything was so much better like they were amazing like 10 out of 10 humans like yeah yeah I just felt like so much more looked after and I felt like we were in way better hands Mm -hmm. um obviously because they'd have had like more experience with that kind of stuff Mm. um but yeah so we went then we were in starship for nine days um and the, I've probably talked for about 500 hours already. Um, um, and somehow she got to come off oxygen after about a week or something. Um, we had this nurse, I mean, sorry, this doctor, Gemma, and she was like, let's just see how she goes without oxygen. And like, she was like really proactive and was like, let's let Ruby try and do it herself yeah um again the same as like that nurse that I had in Nico and um yeah she magically after Gemma touched her she was fine so <laughs> we got sent home again because they were like she's too light for surgery well they could do it but they would rather her be a little bit chunkier yeah um and so we were home again for 34 days and then we went back in the ambulance to Wellington Hospital we were there for one day and then after one day of being there, um, we got flown back up to Starship. Uh, we got to Starship at about 6 p.m. at night. It was like a really long day of mm. transits and stuff. And um, they were like, we're going to operate on Ruby's heart tomorrow um, because she'd been having really bad blue spells um, those past like maybe 40 hours or so. Mm. Um, so she had open heart surgery the next day um our surgeon was AJ and he was amazing um all the nurses up there incredible like I just love Starship so much like life-changingly good experience from the yep. shittest situations in Bern yeah so Ruby's surgery went really well um and she was healing so well and then she was out of Haku after two days. She was in the IOA 
back on the ward, um, 23B, which is the kids' cardiac ward. At, mm-hmm. um, she was in the IOA ward for one night and then she was back onto the normal ward and we were there for a few days, maybe four or five, um, and then things kind of took a turn and Ruby was really not a crying, like, unhappy baby ever even mm. with all the blue spells and everything. And um, she was just inconsolable. And I knew something was really wrong because she'd never been like that before. Um, and that night they had let me take her back to Ronald McDonald House and she could sleep with me at Ronald ha- the Ronald House. But mm. that morning she was still inconsolable. So I went back to the ED and um, at Starship and they were like, okay, we think she might have like an infection or something. We're going to have to do a, um, a line just to get some tests and stuff. And yeah. Um, at that stage, I was like so uh, mentally broken from all the blood tests and yeah. stuff. Yeah. I was like, she, they couldn't get her IV line in. They tried two times and I couldn't watch it anymore. And so they tried with a catheter line, but I couldn't, I couldn't be in the same room. It was, yeah. yeah, It makes me want to vomit thinking about it. Um, they thought it might be a possible you just a UTI from the catheter from her surgery. So she went on, um, antibiotics for that. And then we stayed back in the ward again, uh, for a few nights. And I said, I'm not taking her back to Ronald McDonald House unless until you're happy for me to take her home to Wellington because I yeah. don't want to be back in that situation again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so after I think it was another five days of antibiotics. Um, so maybe we were I think we were in Starship again for only 12 days, including her open heart surgery. Um, we got to go home after that. And um yeah, we moved home. That was the 8th of April. And on the 17th of May, she got to come off all of her medications. Um, she was doing so well. And, um, well, she is doing so well. And, um, yeah, after, like, a felt feels like a lifetime of, um, or felt like a year worth of, like, just hospitals and mm measuring to the mill how many millimeters of stuff she was drinking and consuming and she was probably on meds like I want to say like three or four different meds at least three times a day um, up until that point um so every feed we would have to give her um collagen which was like this fattener yeah and then um and then also her heart medication as well. Anyway, 17th of May, moved off drugs. She's just been like flourishing and growing ever since. She's like the coolest kid ever. Yeah. And she even goes to daycare now. She's like literally has zero fears. She jumps off stairs and couches and <laughs> I feel like I feel like sometimes they just know eh? like she she just knows inside of her yeah, that she's that, like a little right. fighter she's like mate I went through open heart surgery at three months old yeah. I can jump off this freaking couch <laughs> I feel like she definitely knows and she like loves to test everything now <laughs> but yeah she's doing amazing 
um, we have six monthly visits and checkups with her peds ped doctor and um, they just chat to Starship for us. And mm. yeah, um, it is probably likely that she will have a, another surgery. We're just not sure when or if it'll be just a minor one, like a catheter mm. procedure um, to balloon her valve which just need we need to make sure that it's growing enough with her to keep up with yeah. her output it's extremely high yeah. um and yeah but yeah she's doing great and did they ever did they ever kind of figure out why you went into labor early do they have any no. ideas and they, i don't even think they were like i think they were like look let's just not even bother thinking about that right now <laughs> <Just wait laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i asked and I don't know my obstetrician was like I don't know maybe she just wanted to come out early and yeah I was actually really good at labor and giving yeah. birth and I'm like is that a skill like <laughs> can I put this on my CV <laughs> like thanks but how are you good at it but yeah maybe you'll just have to if you do decide to have another baby one day you'll just have to be like all right 35 weeks um check. Yeah. 36 weeks yes. check. I know and now like our like my sister-in-law's just had a baby he's like a week old and I'm I look at them and I'm like wow like life's so chill like he's oh, honestly home. yeah and it's weird what it's weird heart. little things like um with with the twins obviously so they were 32 weekers um so they were in the incubators for quite a while and stuff and you had to like be told when to change their nappy or whatever yeah I had anger when I had Angus he was born at 39 weeks and literally he was born at like five in the morning and I got to like two in the afternoon and I was like oh, shit I haven't changed this nap here because <laughs> no one told me to do it yeah. like, it's just oh, like yeah. the little stuff like that and then like, you're just being able to like leave the hospital with this baby and you're like this yeah I'm like are you guys, are you guys sure you want me to take this kid home like he was an afterthought gonna... the doctor was like so are you like are you all good you've got your catheter out you can like walk because they had an epidural and I was like yeah yeah I'm fine yeah. okay cool I'll get your discharge papers and then he like walks away and come back and goes oh and like the baby's fine and I was like I mean I, I guess so like, are you asking yeah. me <laughs> and he was like okay all good didn't even look at him it was just like right see you later and you just leave yeah. with this whole human like it's so crazy it's I for a whole year after Ruby was born I was like hard no I can't I can't be pregnant again mainly the pregnancy thing I could do the like I could give birth again three times and would rather do that than be pregnant one more time but mm-hmm. I have finally said yes to another one so um yeah next year we will try for another watch this space watch this space Hopefully no HG, hopefully no cardiac kid. I didn't have HG with Angus. I was still quite unwell, but I didn't have HG with him. And I think that's because I knew kind of what I needed. Yeah. Yeah. So like with the twins, I had like, I went into hospital so many times just to get IV fluids and stuff. So with Angus, I was like, okay, I need to make sure I don't get dehydrated and I need to rest because I would always overdo it. And I said to my midwife straight away, you need to give me these three different types of anti-emetics. I'll be doing exactly the same I am doing thing. that again. So hope, yeah. fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, if you if you hadn't had Ruby early, would she still have needed to be in NICU or anything for her heart after birth? Had they yeah. discussed yeah. that with you? Um, they said like highly likely. Like right. 
they would at le- she would have at least had to go to NAFU for a full checkup. Right. So you were kind of prepared for that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just really had wanted to go in and ha- have a look at NAFU because mm. I thought that's where we would be based for a, a wee while. But um, yeah, because of COVID, we couldn't do that. Yeah, I was um, not lucky, but my friend had had her babies in the coup. So I'd, yeah. I'd been in there. I kind of knew the layout of the unit. I could ask, she like told me what to ask for, like the parking tickets and, and stuff like that. So I was lucky in that sense I didn't go in blind because I can't imagine. It's a very overwhelming place. There's a lot of sounds, a lot of oh, different noises. And yeah, it's a, bit, it's a bit overwhelming. It's a bit scary. Yeah, I'm still quite um, uh, I scarred, I don't know what the mm. right word is, from the beeps of the monitors. Mm. I think that's probably the thing that makes me the sickest. Mm. Mine's the yeah. hand sanitizer. Oh, I'm okay with that. <laughs> no, I can't do it. Even I like look back in videos I, and you like, I have to turn the sound off because I, I can't. Oh, 100%. The, oh. the beeps just in the background. Yeah, yeah, that's terrible. But yeah, um, what else? I um, I'm actually gonna start a clothing brand. Um, oh. well, a platform for resources for to raise awareness about all these types of different things like CHDs and yeah, green babies, Niku babies, Skaboo babies, and um child cancer like everything yeah, really that sounds amazing I think that's important that we're not sh- um shown enough of or yeah. educated on um uh just to give back to those places and also to help normalize it and raise awareness about it so that other people aren't like shocked if anything mm. like that does happen to mm. them and I think, like, I think your podcast is so amazing because the whole time that I was pregnant, all I was doing was trying to find um, anything about, like, any mum that had been through any any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, I literally didn't find one heart mum that yeah. had been. Um, I was lucky enough to, like, be a part of Heart Kids and our Facebook group on there and made friends through there. But it's quite it's quite um a private page though isn't it like you you have to be yeah. so that's kind of an issue really like I know when I was in well not an issue but when I was in NICU and I, I searched for the NICU support group and it could come up straight away I could just imagine someone yeah. looking for a heart kids group and not being able to find it without yeah asking I guess, I guess you also don't know what to search for as well like I was mm. searching CHD I was searching TOF like mm. And I joined these American pages and I would highly not recommend doing mm. that. Like, yeah. All they talk about is how hard it is to get medical insurance and like mm. their kids. I would say that our health system is a lot better than theirs. Um, mm. And we still have huge gaps in ours. We all know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was almost more worrying being on those pages. Um, yeah yeah they're very negative people I feel as well Americans yeah. I don't know what it is about them they just they always take they're not very optimistic they're very pessimistic oh, yeah. they were quite like everyone was just complaining about it was also just kind of worrying because people were like oh no one told me what to do or 
mm. where where will my baby be born or like mm. what's going to happen when they're born and it's like it's different for every single child like you can't and then there's just people on there giving willy-nilly advice like oh yeah your baby will have surgery day three like no but anyway yeah thank you so much for sharing your stories it was so lovely to talk to you and I'm so glad that Ruby's doing so well oh I also loved on your Instagram how she's got all her like heart like themed <laughs> clothing and bedroom it's I so so cute like like it's a horrible thing to go through and I think like her heart is such a special thing so I think yeah we just celebrate as much as possible and it's it's very cute I often it's definitely her aesthetic isn't it (laughs) the red heart is on brand with the heart (laughs) um I love sending like me and some of the other heart mums like send links to all the like heart themed things (laughs) we need this (laughs) so cool very cute all right well it was lovely talking to you thank you so much again um thanks for having me and thanks for doing your podcast like it's it's such a great thing to be doing well done thank you so yeah that was sarah's story with ruby they obviously went through quite a few different units um so she really got the the lay of the land when it came to to neonates um but yeah, so amazing to hear that Ruby's doing so well. Um, and also so amazing to hear that Sarah's open to having another baby because I can imagine having your baby diagnosed with something like a heart defect, um, it would be quite scary thinking about going through that again. So yeah, um, but it was lovely talking to her. Really cool that she's going to be starting her new little biz to kind of raise awareness because we are, we are definitely lacking in that department so yes um i hope you enjoyed hope you enjoyed listening um yeah and i'll chat to you soon bye